Way to brave the weather. I don't know if you guys thought you would get into heaven by making the sacrifice to come to church today, but I'm sure that's a deal God has waiting for all of you who are here today. Feel free to stick around if you can't go home after this. You don't have to come to listen to me again. Just find a space. I'm sure that we, we, can, get a, we, can, we can get a football game in the Connection Center after this, can we? <laughs> Not legally, right. Well, that, that whole ethics thing... Um, Hey, I'm thrilled that you're starting your year with us. Uh, I also want to let you know, we finished 2016 with really what our staff team thinks is a ton of momentum. And as we start this new year as your pastor, I want to encourage you to lean into what God is doing in and through this community like you never have before. In, in November, on November the 13th, actually, we launched this year's version of the Hope Project. And if you've been at Epic for any length of time, you know that the Hope Project is our annual initiative where we fund our strategic partners for the coming year. And we've done that since our inception. So before our church was a year old, we did the first Hope Project, 2011, which makes this our sixth one. But we knew that it was going to take everyone during the season because it was the largest goal we've ever had as a church, $140,000. Goals like that make your pastor get faint-hearted at times. But do you want to know where we are relative to that goal today? All right, lean to the edge of your seats. Not figuratively, literally. When you're all there, I'll start. I've got all day. <laughs> this is my job. <laughs> we knew it would take everyone. And remember that this offering goes to the end of January. Um, but as of January 4th, towards the $140,000 goal, we as a church have given Stunning. Thank you, God, and thank you to a church that cares deeply about what God's up to in the world. Every year, minus one, we've had a surplus, never to this extent. But what's happened out of that surplus, just so you understand, for those of you that are like, oh, what happens with the extra? Out of that surplus, we've been able to build a church building in India for a church that's the home church of one of our our parishioners here. From that surplus over the years, we've been able to pay for an open heart surgery for one of our kids and our church partner in Kampala, Uganda, and things like that. We've been able to respond to disasters that inevitably come up every single calendar year, unfortunately. And what we're going to be able to do, we know right off the bat, certainly there will be things that will come up that we're unaware of today. But two things we're going to be able to do right from the very beginning because of the generosity of this church. One is to make an even more significant impact in our current partners. And number two, we're going to be able to accelerate partnerships we've been considering. And so stay tuned. Every cent, just like it always has, every cent that comes in stays in the same spirit of the Hope Project and goes to people outside of Epic's doors. So again, church, thank you. As we've said around here so often, And I feel like in the last six years, only God, only God could not only provide what we needed here, but help us provide for what he's doing out there. And so these trips are a great way to see uh, the Hope Project in action. And I want to encourage you just as Lindsay did. um, Shauna and I are going to have the best team. That's a June 20 through 27 team. So feel free to join us for that. Um, Today, I want to start the series. This is the year. And the reason I want to kick the year off with this series is this. Most of us have a destination in mind that we would love to arrive at in the future. And we don't just have one destination that's our preferred future. We have a number of kinds of areas in our lives, and we have a preferred future with that. So when it comes to our vocational preferred future, 
If we, if we can't retire yet, right, that would be, the, be the ideal preferred future vocationally. We know the role that we want, the position we want, and we know the company that we would love to do it. And you know that, right? Do you, anybody have a preferred future? Or you know the company you would want to start. That's our vocational preferred future. We also have a relational preferred future. Right? Some of you are here today because somebody told you they met their wife at church, and so you're here, and you don't really have an interest in Jesus, but you're interested very much in the opposite sex, and so you're here at Epic Church. You just need to know, as a newcomer, that I get a percentage of all matches made, and I think we have more weddings than ever this year. So, um, But you might be interested in marriage in your relational future. Maybe you and your spouse are interested in having kids in your preferred future. Maybe your preferred future is to never have kids. Maybe your preferred future is that just someone else on the planet know that you exist and would just take a little bit notice of you. Maybe you know there's relationships that need to be reconciled in your preferred relational future. Perhaps you just want to have more close friends in 2017. There could be all kinds of places you want to arrive relationally in the future. We all have a preferred future when it comes to our health. Every single one of us know what we want the scale to say or what we want our doctor to say, don't we? We have a preferred future. You see, it's fairly easy to come up with in our minds a preferred future. If you don't believe me, just come to the dinner table at the Pilgrim House sometime. What do you guys want to be when you grow up? They all have preferred futures. Here's some of the answers around the Pilgrim table, okay? One of them, I want to play in the NBA. Awesome. When's the last time you touched a basketball? Um, The other one, I want to be a singer. That is great. We have one. I love just, uh, we have two actually in this category, two in this category. I just want to be famous. Awesome. We are training you guys well to make the world revolve around you, and we would love for that to make happen. But the next question is, hey, um, tell me, what, what are you doing to make that happen? See, we all have these preferred futures, but why is it, with all of the good intentions we possess, why do we so rarely see the hope for results? It's really easy and makes us feel good to say, I want to be this one day, but we get to that day and we don't arrive there and we wonder why. We begin to think that it's random or that some of us are lucky while others of us are unlucky. And when it comes to transportation, we understand that there's a path that leads to a destination, right? If you drove here, anybody drive here this morning? Anybody take a train this morning? Anybody bus? The real Christians who walked to church, amazing. There's a reward in heaven, I'm sure. Probably won't get it today, but in in heaven. How many of you had someone drive you here? Yeah, awesome. Uh, So you, you had a path to get here. You knew you wanted to be here, and you knew completely in your mind that there was a path that would take you to Epic Church. And it's important to know what path to take to get to your desired destination when it comes to transportation. But friends, your life is so much more important than how you got to church this morning. And some of us act like there's a disconnect between the path I take and the destination I arrive at. We get to some destination we never wanted to arrive at. And we're like, how did I get here? You walked there. There was a logical conclusion to the path that you took. And here you are. And if we're honest, we've made goal after goal, resolution after resolution, year after year after year after year. So why, pastor, would we think this year would be any different? Shouldn't we just lower our sights a little bit to avoid disappointment in the long run? Well, before you give up completely, just give me five weeks, okay? Just give me five weeks, engage in the series, online, podcast, whatever, uh, if you're not here for the next five weeks. And I want to, what I think is going to be helpful, I want to lay out how we get in on God's preferred future for us. 
And the first thing I want you to think about with your preferred future is how do I align it with God's preferred future for my life and for his world? That's what I want you to be thinking about. But there's not a disconnect. It's not random. It isn't for the most part that we're lucky, a few of us, and others of us for the most part are unlucky. It's that there's something happening that makes us arrive at the place we end up at in the end. In his book, The Principle of the Path, Andy Stanley said this, Direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determines our... I don't get where I want to get. I get where I walk towards. I don't arrive at the place I want to arrive. I don't become an NBA star. I start doing things and maybe I become an NBA star, right? And so there's this connection. It's not a disconnected thing. It's not like, you see, and what happens, we get obsessed with the present. And what I want to say to us about the present is you need to observe the present, but know that you got here today, not because of what you've done so far today, but because of what you've done since you were born, because of what you've done the last 10 years, because of what you've done in 2016. That's why you are where you are today. Now, there are things that happen to us. There are things people do to us, and we're not responsible for those things. But I think every one of us in the room can take responsibility to to some degree for how we've arrived where we've arrived, whether you're thrilled with where you are today or you're not so satisfied. The scriptures speak to the same idea in a metaphor, a farming metaphor known as sowing and reaping. So if you have a Bible, Galatians chapter 6, if you need one, raise your hand. Keep their hand up. We will get one to you. You can follow along. You can keep that Bible. Galatians chapter 6. And what's interesting about this farming metaphor known as sowing and reaping is this. What it does is it removes a lot of the mystery that you think exists in your life. Let me say that again. This metaphor of sowing and reaping, as the scriptures teach us, it removes. See, we think it's so mysterious, right? We see how people are accomplishing great things, and we're just like, man, it's a mystery. How did they get there? What you're going to see in the scriptures is it's not the mystery you think it is. Like, we may not be able to determine what company we work for or, or exactly what our body looks like or even what city we live in. We may be not able to determine those things, but we absolutely, after engaging this text, you will know why you are at the place you are today to some degree. So would you stand with me as we look at Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10? Paul wrote a letter to the, to the churches in Galatia. This is a group of churches he helped begin and He writes this letter. It's his first letter actually dated. The earliest letter that we have in the scriptures is the letter Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And he's writing to them because he had told them the message of Christianity is this. God gives you grace. You put your faith in Jesus alone. But they started adding things to that. The thing that they began to add in order to have a good standing with God was this issue of circumcision. For good reason, based on their history and their traditions and their culture. But they began to teach in the church that you didn't need just grace alone. You needed grace, and then you needed to perform some things externally so God would accept you. This caused Paul to write a lot about the contrast between our flesh and God's spirit, and you'll see that show up here in this metaphor, sowing and reaping. Here's what happens from Paul's pen, Galatians 6, verse 7. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a woman reaps what he or she sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You may be seated. 
So what Paul wants to do is he wants to remove a lot of the mystery behind the questions you have relative to why you are where you are. He wants to really just say, hey, it's not that mysterious. And he begins this text by saying this, do not be deceived. What he's saying to us is don't be fooled because God is not going to be deceived. Notice that's, that's, the, te- that's the whole idea of the text. He said, do not allow yourselves to be tricked or fooled or deceived because you need to understand something. God is not going to be deceived. What is he saying? He's saying you're not going to be able to outsmart or work around God's ways. God has set certain things up in the universe, and no matter who tells you it's legit, no matter what church you might go to in this city or some other city or even this church, and I say that's not going to make it legit, no matter how you think you can live one way and get around what God has set up, it's not going to happen. The literal translation for God cannot be mocked or God will not be mocked, it's this idea of us turning our noses up at God or treating him with contempt. But again, it's the idea that I'm going to try to outsmart God. Like, I'm going to live how I want, and he's still going to bless me. Anybody ever lived, done that way? God, I know you didn't see that, right? I'm, I'm not going to be able to outsmart him. Every man, every woman is going to reap what they sow. Every man, every woman. So let me ask you this question. If we are going to reap what we sow, what can you actually expect in the future? The scriptures have just given us this correlation that you're going, I'm going to reap what I sow. If that's true, what can you expect in the future? What we want is for there to be a disconnect sometimes between what we do with our flesh and what blessing we want to receive as a result from God's spirit, isn't there? And we know this in trivial things in life too, right? I want to eat a gallon of ice cream a day, but I also want to rock the skinny jeans. I want to run a marathon, hypothetically. I want to run a marathon in two months, but I love how this couch feels, especially when it's raining. I want my life to look like Jesus, but I still want the world to revolve around me. We think there's not a connection between what our inputs in life are and what the output is in the end, in the end of a year, in the end of a decade, or even at the end of our entire lives. And what God's wanting us to see through Paul's writing is there is a correlation. What you sow into determines what you reap from it. What you give your time, your attention, your body, your decisions, what you're sowing all the time in your life, and you're going to reap eventually. That's what the text is teaching us. You're going to reap based on what you sow. And what's the good news and the bad news of this is the word whoever. Why is it good news? Because whoever sows into something good is going to reap something good. Why is it bad news? Because whoever sows into something evil and wicked and sinful is going to reap something evil and wicked and sinful. So what does he say? He says, everyone, every person, whoever is going to reap what they sow. And we forget that because we become obsessed with where we are today. And we think the issue is where we are today, right? We become um, like hyper-focused on, okay, how, how, I've got to change where I am. I'm at today, and we forget that there's a reason how I ended up where I am today. Let me give you an example, because it's not just true in individuals or families. It's true in organizations and businesses, and it's true in churches. Like right now, we came in today just trying to stay dry, and we came in today, myself included, and just took for granted that this is what we have. It's known as Epic Church. It's January the 8th. It's just here. But what you may not know is that when most of us didn't know that this church existed, there was a small group of people 
who were making decisions, who were giving and praying and showing up at the W Hotel between 6 and 7 a.m. to set up just in case someone showed up at 11. And now we get to sit and reap from that. Does that make sense? Which should lead us to ask the question as a church, what are we sowing in this season that future generations of Epic are going to be able to reap? Because we're sowing something. What I say to our staff all the time in good seasons and bad seasons, I'm like, okay, hey, we're not at a good place or we're at a really good place. But I tell them this, no matter where we are today, we can't do anything about where we are today. But in any season, whether we're seeing great results or bad results personally or as a church or whatever, we can always be sowing. Does that make sense? You're not in the job you want today? Start sowing. Don't get obsessed with where you are or, or where you're not today. Start sowing. Relationally, start sowing. Church, your faith, whatever, start sowing today. You are where you are. You're reaping something from your past, even if it's from yesterday or from 10 years ago or a habit or an addiction that's come on board with you over the last five years. You can't do anything about that today, but you can start sowing something different so that you'll be somewhere else tomorrow or five years from now or 10 years from now. Here's what he says we can sow into one of two things. Everything can fall into one of these two categories. You either sow to your flesh or you sow to God's spirit. If you sow to the flesh, the text says you will reap destruction. Maybe your translation says corruption. The idea is a disintegration between what God wants for your life and what you're actually sowing into your life. So you, you, you will not only live this life separated from God, you will spend eternity separated from God if your flesh is the thing that only wins out your entire earthly life. And so if you sow to the flesh, the flesh is that part in every single one of us that is me first. That flesh is that part in every single one of us that says, God, not your will, but mine. That flesh is that part in every single one of us that is inherently rejecting what God wants for our life. And unfortunately, you're born with it, and it's going to stay with you to some degree until you're done with this earth. But he also says, if you sow to the Spirit, what do you reap? Eternal life. If you're willing to say, God, not my vision for my life, but yours, not my will, but yours, not my plan, but yours, not my purpose, but yours. As we say at Epic, if you're willing to orient your entire life around Jesus, if you're willing to lean into God's way for your life and you're willing to deny yourself what Jesus talked about, more on that in a couple weeks, if you're willing to deny yourself and follow him, then there's going to be good things coming out of your life. He's just saying there are logical conclusions to the choices and lives that you're living today, and they're going to show up in your future. Essentially what he's getting at is that you can't live like hell Monday through Saturday and expect to experience heaven on a Sunday. You can't live contrary to God's ways and then ask him to bless those ways. God will not be mocked. You're like, Ben, that's a serious word to start the new year. It is. It is for me too. There's a thing that God has set up. But the beauty is, if I sow into what God wants for my life, he's made some promises there too. I will get eternal life, which means life forever with God. It also means during our time on earth, we have the life of God planted in us. That's not a bad deal. That's not a bad deal. He says, let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary. Do you know when we grow weary from sowing? When we don't see a payoff. Isn't this true? Anybody besides me ever been on a diet and exercise plan? And you're doing everything the internet tells you to, right? I mean, you've got all the different cookbooks of eat this, not that. You've got a coach. You've got some Lululemon pants. Somehow it's better than the stuff you can get from Target. I don't know. You've got a gym membership. And you're doing everything. But like after the first week, you step onto the scale and it's a higher number than you started with. Do you know when you grow weary from sewing? At that moment, do you know what I say at that moment? I'm going to eat whatever well I please 
And I'm never going back to the gym. It's not worth it. If, if, this is where I, if this is where I land regardless, let's eat, drink, and be merry, right? Because we do not eat good stuff because we love it. <clears throat> Otherwise, I wouldn't have had no Greek yogurt for breakfast. You know what I mean? Man, 120 calories killing a man with these services. Anyway. But this is true in our spiritual lives. When we don't see a payoff or a breakthrough, what are we tempted to do? Throw away our faith. Stop being generous. Stop praying because the thing we've been praying for, it hasn't changed since we started praying and we've prayed for three whole days. Nothing's different. Tim Keller in his book Galatians for You says this, there is always a delay between sowing and reaping. And we love delays, don't we? Anybody had a travel delay over the last couple of weeks? We, we love delays, especially this generation. No, we've become accustomed to getting things right now, right? I, I can get a ride from Uber right now. I can check the radar, lots of big green right now. I, I, can, I can do it all. I can get it right now. And if I can't get it right now, it's okay. At least I get it by this time tomorrow. The problem is God doesn't work that way. That's why you constantly see in the scriptures, be strong and wait on the Lord. Take heart and wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And we're like, God, I don't do the waiting thing. If you don't do the waiting thing, you're not going to reap. And what does he go on to say? He says at the proper time, there will be a what? A harvest. Us city people just don't understand all of these agricultural concepts, do we? There will be a harvest at the proper time. Here's the thing. I don't know when the proper time is. I don't know if you'll have to keep sowing for a year in this particular thing you're sowing into. I don't know if it's five days. I don't know if it's a decade. The question is, will you believe that God is faithful? And then at the proper time, there's a reaping that's going to happen. Or will you bow out? He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For we will reap a harvest if what? If we do not give up, if you do not give up, God has promised to be faithful. He has promised that there will come a time, there will come a day, there will come a place, if not in this life, in the life to come, when you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up. I assume most of us have goals for this year. Like, Ben, I'm getting to that. I figure if I don't set my goal to the end of the month, I probably won't break it soon. And you might have two goals, and you might have five or 10 or 20. You might have really concrete, measurable, smart goals if that's who you are. If you're like me, you're like, I'm giving up the measurable stuff. I'm going to just say I want to get better this year. <laughs> Not really. But what I want to urge so many of us in this room is above all of those goals that you already have been thinking about and have down on paper and you've highlighted and whatever, I want, I want to encourage so many of us in this room to take an overarching goal that, that, that falls on top of all of those goals. And here's that overarching goal for some of us. It just needs to be this. I will not give up. I will not give up. Some of you, it, it, your goals are fine. You just don't need to give up. Some of you, you have been bowing out way too soon when there's a harvest just around the corner. How many things have we walked away from when the proper time was just two days away? And some of us just need to go, and this is me, I'm in the boat with you. I'm not going to give up. 
Even though this parenting stage is hard and it seems like it's not going to pay off, I'm not giving up. Even though my spouse is treating me like this and I'm tempted to throw in the towel, I'm not going to give up. I haven't had a raise or a promotion, hypothetically, in three years, but I'm not giving up. I've been struggling with this addiction for the last decade, and with God's help and someone else's help, I'm not going to give up. I've been praying about something for three years, and God hasn't said yes yet, but you know what? Yeah, I'm not walking away. I've been reading this book lately called Grit by Angela Duckworth. It's not a Christian book, but so much of what she has to say in this book, it parallels so much of what I read in the scriptures. The big idea so far, I'm only four chapters in, so it might be a dud after the end, but the big idea so far is that talent isn't the greatest indicator of success. It's really this thing called perseverance, endurance, what she says, consistency over time. That's going to determine who wins in the end. It's not a Christian book, but think about what we learn in the scriptures. Did Jesus pick the most talented? No, but even though they came close to bowing out because they stayed in the game, changed the world. And the scriptures are constantly saying, finish. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you need to think about being a builder who's going to build a building. You need to make sure you can finish. And the scriptures are always teaching us about perseverance and endurance. And I'm learning so much just about this in this season of my life. There are going to be times where we're tempted to give up. And if we're honest today, some of us have given up way too soon. You walked out on your faith way too soon. You quit praying because six months into it, your mom wasn't healed of cancer. You quit serving because people didn't recognize you and maybe you just walked away from uh, who knows what else. But there seems to be this promise from God that we will reap because he is faithful. Since our earliest days here at Epic, we've made some discoveries. And one of those discoveries has been in my own life and in our church, is to really determine in any endeavor what is my part and what is God's part. And so this just some free advice this morning. Like whenever you're doing anything, your work, you need to think about this, um, what you do ministry-wise, what you do uh, financially, all that. Think about, okay, in this situation, what is my part and what is God's part? So let's ask the question when it comes to sowing and reaping, what is my part and what is God's part? Here's your part, sowing. You and I get to be sowers. Thankfully, we're not having to be literal farmers, okay? But you are the sower in this equation. Your part is sowing. You decide what to sow with your time. You decide to sow with your money. You decide every time you make a choice or a decision, you're sowing something. Do you know that? Every time you decide what you're going to live for, what you're going to press into, and what you're going to walk away from, every time we do that, we're sowing. But whose part is the reaping? God's. I get obsessed with reaping. Anybody else? Anybody else get obsessed with outcomes and stats and where we landed? We need to observe those things. But me looking at where we landed on a number outcome, it's not telling me anything about how we, how we got there, how we can make it better. Our part is sowing with our time, our decisions, our income. God's part is reaping. And when it comes to God's part, the reaping part, two things you need to know. God determines how long it will take, and God determines how much reaping there will be. So you sow God's promise to help you reap. He determines when, and he determines how much. But he promised there is a reaping ahead. Jesus spoke to this idea of sowing and reaping also when he said this in Luke chapter 6. In 43 through 45, Jesus said, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. 
A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We look at the fruit and get obsessed with that, don't we? The fruit isn't the problem, and the fruit isn't the solution. The fruit is just telling us about the tree. It's telling us, did the tree get enough nutrients? Did the tree get enough water? Did someone care for the tree? Did the tree, did they, they take care of the branches that, that were dead? The, 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 the fruit is just telling us what the tree is like. What you're experiencing in your life today, what the outcomes are as of this moment, at least the ones that you've been responsible for, is just telling us how you've sown. And what you have is what you have. Have you ever been around someone and they talk to God in a kind of an intimate way that seems to be missing from your life? And we're tempted to walk away from those moments going, um, how did they get chosen as the ones to know God like that? They didn't. They sewed into that. While you and I were getting some extra sleep, they woke up. While I was on social media, they opened the scriptures. When I was doubting the promises of God, they were trusting them. It didn't happen overnight. They sewed into it. Now they get to reap If you're not satisfied with where you are spiritually today, nothing you can do about it today in terms of where you are, but a lot you can do starting today about where you want to be. It's not a disconnected path. There's a direct correlation between what you sow and what you reap, between what I sow and what I reap, between what our church sows in this season and what we will reap in the next season and in the coming generations. There's a correlation, which means we've got to take some ownership. We've got to take some responsibility. But the good news is, and the bad news is, whoever does the sowing is going to do a logical reaping from it. For all of us. It's going to happen. For every single one of us. So I'm going to encourage you today. Starting today, you're going to be home, I think. Okay, nobody's going out, out and about. At least that's what the meteorologist told me. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't getting paid. Just kidding. Um, I'm totally joking. Totally. I want you to make a list of God things that you can sow into in your life, relying on the promises of God. So there'll be a lot of general things for us, but there will be some specific things that God, you know, God has just for you. But whatever the list looks like, I want you to start with number three, because I want to give you number one and number two. When I look at the story of Christians throughout history, the, the, the two things that they've all relied on, this, they've always sown into is what God has said and what they have said to God. Time in the scriptures and time in the throne room asking God to do something. And what's beautiful about these two things, if we sow into them, there are promises related to them. So the scriptures. In Psalm chapter 1, it says that the person who sows into God's word, the person who meditates on the scriptures day and night, here, here's what they will reap. Psalm 1-3. That person who's meditating on God's word day and night is like a tree, there it is again, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Who wants to be that person? I do. There's a path. You with me? There's a path. I want to be like that tree planted by streams of water. What do I need to do? I need to plant myself in the scriptures. Then I will be like that tree planted by the streams of water. I want to bear fruit. I don't want my life to wither. I want to prosper in God's economy, whatever it is I do. There's your reaping. Sowing's up to you. But we think it's so important to reap what the scriptures promise that we want to just invite and challenge and encourage you um, to join in with this uh, scripture reading campaign we're starting right now. 
So we want to make it accessible and reasonable. So here's what we want to do for you. We want to ask you over the next four months to read through the four Gospels with us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay with that? And we're going to make it accessible and reasonable. The reasonable part is this. Just a chapter a day, five days a week. Monday through Friday. We're going bottom shelf here, people, but that's all right. We just want everybody to be able to be able to play. And what we want to do is we want you, go ahead and get your phones out. We want you just to text the keyword, Gospels. Yes, this is your past. You do not have to hide it from me right now because I never see you other times. Keyword, Gospels, to 313131. And what's going to happen is every Monday through Friday for the next 18 weeks, the reading reminder for that day will get texted to you at 8 a.m., and we're going to go even more bottom shelf for you, studs. And there will be a link where you can actually read the passage by one click. Can we do this? Yes. I mean, come on. If we can't do this. I've got to file for my retirement papers, however that works. And so let's just as a church, we're going to go through Matthew 1 through 5 this week, and then next week, 6 through 10, and so on and so on and so on. If you opt out, that's your right, but we will know it. I'm just kidding. That's, Lin- that's Lindsay's department. If she looks at you with a smug look, just come talk to the pastor. We'll give you some Old Testament. But <laughs> sowing into the scriptures is one important way. The second one is a sowing into time of prayer. Jesus told a parable in Luke about prayer, and Luke says about Jesus telling that parable, he says he told that parable so that we would always pray and that we would never give up. In March, I started, pray, started praying for two very specific requests of friends. One was related to a housing situation. The other was related to uh, a friend's father's health. And, and both of them seemed pretty dire. And when I started praying, the, things actually got worse. You ever been there? Tempted to throw in the towel? It, things got worse. Uh, I, I felt like I needed to apologize to him. I'm so sorry. I started praying. Um, but, I, but I stayed with it, for the most part at least. And then over the last couple of months, both of these miracles came to fruition. And I did not text my two friends and tell them, you guys owe me big time. But I did have my own faith and courage. I was reminded personally once again, Ben, don't give up. And I should never give up on prayers. I am the product of years and years of my own mom and dad praying for me. I'm so glad that when I told my mom on that particular day, you can pray all you want to. It's not going to change anything. She didn't grow weary. She didn't throw in the towel. She didn't walk away from her faith. And whatever good has come from my life has a lot to do with what she's sown into it. Because friends, sometimes you get to reap where you haven't sown. This is what the Hope Project's about, right? We're sowing generosity with people in the Tenderloin and in Romania and in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and in Kampala, Uganda. They're going to get to reap. But the story is never more true than when it comes to the central message of our faith, Right? We get to reap what Jesus has sown for us. The scriptures say, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sowing sin, Jesus was sowing something that was going to make it possible for us not to pay for our sin. In other places, it says this kind of thing, that um, we sowed sin with our life, and Jesus reaped the punishment on the cross. Jesus sowed righteousness with his life, and we reaped the reward. Who doesn't want in on that? A few questions. Hey, have you ever reaped? Have you ever received what Jesus has done for you? Never lose sight of that. 
And here's some other questions. What, where do you need to start sowing? If God's promises are there and if he's really faithful, where do you need to start sowing? Where do you need to stop sowing? Where have you landed today by your own willful choices that you regret so much? Can't do anything about where you are today, but you can stop sowing into the ways you've sown so far. Three, what do you need to give up? Walk away from because you know what it leads to in your life. And the last question is this. Over which areas of your life and which callings from God do you need to just be defiant with these words? I will never give up. By the grace of God, I will never give up. When it's hard, I will never give up. When I don't see an immediate payoff, I will never give up. When things seem to get worse initially, I will never give up. Where do you need to write that story over a portion of your life? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that you have orchestrated this world that when we sow into the things of you and your spirit, you promise there's a harvest that might come tomorrow, God. It might come in 10 years. It might come just on the other side of this life. But God, it is coming because you're faithful. God, I know for me, I'm tempted to bow out and I want to have that staying power that you can give through your spirit. God, I pray for every man and woman in this room. Lord, I pray that, first of all, they would receive, Jesus, what you have sown for them. If that's you today, please let us know before you leave. God, I also pray for every one of us in this room that we would start sowing into the things that are of you, that we would stop sowing the things that are of our flesh. Help us to give up and walk away from things that are only going to lead to destruction in our life. And God, the good things, the things you have for us, may we say about those things, I will never give up. I will never give up. I will have that staying power because God is faithful. So when the storms come, I will not give up. When it looks bleak for the future, I will not give up. When I don't see the answer I want, I will not give up. God, you're faithful. And so we give ourselves to you now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? I think this is the perfect song coming out of a message like this. just want you to know God's for you. God is committed to doing his part. He's offered you his spirit. Lean into it. 